listening to Inside Expert by Econ One Research. Find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And now, your host, Stephanie Arnold. Hi, and welcome back to the show, Eric Forrester. For those who didn't catch you on your other podcasts, can you say a few words about yourself? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Eric Forrester. I'm a senior economist in Econ One's Los Angeles office. I have an economics PhD, and I recently testified as an expert for the first time. Ah, congratulations. Uh, anything you want to share from that process? Yes. I spent a lot of effort making economic analysis approachable to attorneys and judges, and I thought I'd talk about that topic. Yeah, Eric, that's a good topic. What do you, what do you think gets in the way of making economics more approachable? Uh, in the context of litigation, there's often a perceived disconnect between the expert economist's work and the ability of non-experts to understand and question it. There can be a feeling that the expert's work is being done more for an academic audience and that someone who isn't an economist might just have to take their word for it. Aren't expert economists being hired to do just that, things that a layperson can't do? An expert, by definition, is doing something apart from the everyday experiences of the judges, juries, and lawyers, right? Well, while the tools used by experts may be more sophisticated and the formal training more in-depth, the fundamental basis for a lot of data analysis is something I think people use in their own lives. And connecting to a person's own experiences can allow us to bridge the gap between more complex data analysis and the sort of analysis that is around us in daily use. That sounds ambitious. How do you propose going about bridging the gap? By starting with the fact that economic analysis is ultimately about making comparisons. For example, comparing products with and without a patented feature. Our everyday experience with making comparisons can help us evaluate how well an expert has done at doing the same thing as part of an economic analysis. As a starting point, there are primarily two dimensions on which we make comparisons. Across time, which economists call time series analysis, and across individuals or entities, units, or products, which economists call cross-sectional analysis. Eric, do you have an example that frequently shows up in your expert work, say, um, for damages? Yes. A common damages methodology using time series analysis is called before, during, after. I just have to ask, what is before, during, after? Before, during, after refers to a comparison of something during one period, the during period, against that same thing either before, after, or both before and after that period. Can you give us a real-world example? I work in Los Angeles, so I'll give an example related to traffic. We can see the influence of congestion on commute time by looking at our commute times during the summer, when people are more likely to be on vacation, versus other times of the year, or say on one day of the week versus another day. Another classic example is transformative life events. We estimate the impact of that event by looking at a person's performance before that event against their performance after. And this type of analysis often shows up in sports. For example, measuring the performance of a coach by looking at his performance during his tenure against that before he was hired or after he's fired. Similarly with position players, your quarterback gets injured and you evaluate the impact of that by looking at the team's performance before the quarterback was injured against the performance after they're out injured. That makes sense, but how do you know that you are measuring the right effect? Well, a good point. And in doing time series analysis like this, it's important to account for changes or impacts that are occurring at the same time. Going back to the example of the quarterback being out injured, 
we'd want to make sure the injury didn't happen just as, say, the running back was getting into sync with the offensive line, because that would potentially confound our analysis. Are there any other problems that you might run into when making these comparisons? Yes. Another big challenge is making sure the window of time we have is appropriate. We want it wide enough to capture the full impact, but not so wide that we allow other events or impacts to creep in. And this, again, is something that comes up in everyday life. For example, how we structure playoffs in sports. Is one game a wide enough time window to judge which is the better team, or do we need to have a best of three or best of seven series? Uh, Another example is how long we tolerate underperformance before we conclude that something should be replaced. I'd like to back up a little bit. You mentioned another dimension of comparison. Yes, cross-sectional, where we're comparing different people or companies or products. Economists will sometimes call this benchmark or yardstick analysis because we're comparing the performance of one thing against a benchmark or yardstick of comparable things. So it sounds like people and I, myself, tend to evaluate performance relative to a benchmark. Yes, and it's not just economists doing this. My kids benchmark their heights against each other on their birthdays. Or my parents notice that one room in the house is warmer in the winter or cooler in the summer by benchmarking it against other rooms. Or we look at average customer reviews for two Italian restaurants to decide where to go for dinner. I can see how I do that to evaluate which item is better. How would this apply to estimating the impact of something? Good question. If we can find two comparable items that differ only in a single attribute, we can attribute that difference in performance to that attribute. For example, if a car with air conditioning is priced $3,000 more than a comparable car without air conditioning, we might conclude that air conditioning raises the price by $3,000. Yes, but how do you know that, that it is the air conditioner that's responsible for the price difference? Another good question. And it comes down to controlling for or ruling out other factors that are present alongside the factor of interest. This can often take the form of a judgment call informed by what we know about the relative value of, in this example, other car attributes. And is it possible to combine both the time series and this cross-sectional analysis? Yes. Economists call that panel data analysis. And we can sometimes use the combination of cross-sectional and time series analysis to measure things that we could not measure using just cross-sectional or just time series analysis alone. Interesting. Could you summarize all of that for us in like one statement? Yes. Uh, My point today is that comparisons make up the basis for much of the data analysis being done by expert economists. And everyone has some experience making comparisons in their daily life. This connection to people's everyday experience can, in turn, help us to make even sophisticated and complex data analysis more approachable. That's nice because economic analysis can be somewhat of a daunting, complex topic. Well, here at Econ One, we pride ourselves on providing clear thinking on complex topics. Yes, we do. Eric, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. We look forward to having you back on again. And if you'd like to know more about Eric Forrester, head to our website at www.econone.com. Thank you for joining us on Inside Expert. Inside Expert.